Great to be here tonight. Good music tonight, eh? Oh, come on, church. We got to do better than that. That was great. Hey, man, that was great music. You're so fortunate. I'm telling you, you have a beautiful auditorium. This is one of the most beautiful auditoriums I preach in. And you have some phenomenal music. The preaching's weak here, but the music's really good. I I enjoy the music, but... uh, that's right. That's right. I'm so glad to be back. Listen, God's doing some great things. I want to give you a quick update. While you turn your Bibles to Psalm 134, would you do that for me? Turn to the Old Testament, Psalm 134. Talk about good music, some music from the Old Testament. I want to tell you what God's doing. Um, before I tell you about BPS, I want to tell you that I was riding tonight uh, to the service here, and I was listening to the radio, as I often do when I drive, and I was listening to Christmas music. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I listen to Christmas music on the radio, I get a little upset sometimes because there's not much Christian music in Christmas music. You know what I mean today? It's all about Santa and, uh, you know, lighting the tree. And I mean, there's, there's some good songs. There's some things that we remember and some traditional things. And there's nothing wrong with all that. But I thought this, I thought there's not much Christian music in, in those songs. And then you come to church and you sing those old Christmas carols. And those are great songs. That's what Christmas is all about. And I got thinking this while I was sitting there, and I thought, you know what? I'm kind of glad that the world doesn't use our songs. We get to use them here in our special worship. And the reason that they don't use them is because they don't get them. They don't get those songs. They don't understand what it's talking about. Unless you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will really never understand what those Christmas carols are talking about. Now, there's some language that we don't understand in the last song that we sang. Um, glory to God in the highest is uh, what glory excelsis deo means. I had to look it up. I couldn't remember. I learned a long time ago as a kid. But we don't use a lot of Latin. But in those songs, they use some of that old language, some of that old English language. And I like it because it makes us something special, something different. You don't hear that all the time. And so tonight we've come and we've sung of our Savior and prepared our hearts for the preaching of the Word of God. And I appreciate that. Now, for bearing precious seed, I want to let you know that God's doing some great things. We have a gentleman in the United States who, uh, now this is his third time, found out what we were doing a number of years ago, became so excited about it. He said, I have a company, I have a, a business. He said, and God has really blessed our company. I don't have any children. It's just him and his wife. And he said, you know, I'm so tired of the U.S. government taking all of my money and taxes. I've decided to give as much of it away as I possibly can. And he called me and he said, I want to I wanna send you some money to help you. And I will tell you that up until that point, this is about four or five years ago, up until that point, we'd never had anybody really do a substantial amount of money. This church a number of years ago probably did the, the greatest uh, feat that we had, gave $70,000 to do all of Saskatchewan. And that was probably the largest. But to have someone outside of what I would call the realm of people that we know, he called and said, I want to do something. I want to give you $50,000. And boy, I was, I was taken back. I'd never had that. And I'd heard of other preachers, you know, that had people help with their ministries and, you know, buildings and all that. We just never had that at Bible Baptist. We just always chiseled it out of stone. <laughs> That's right. It doesn't get much better. If you want to leave now, now's the time to make your way out of the auditorium. You're not getting your money back tonight, all right? But uh, we, we just really just kind of did what we could do. And he said, I want to give you $50,000. And, I, and I, w- I was so taken. I said, you mean 15000 He goes, no, $50,000 U.S. I said, sir, you don't understand. I said, the, the exchange rate right now at that time was about 30 cents on the dollar. I said, sir, that, that's $65,000 Canadian. He goes, wow, that's great. That's a great investment. I said, yeah. 
And he goes, wow, let's do it. And I said, thank you. And I hung up the phone and did one of those hallelujah, you know, praise the Lord dances that preachers do in their office when nobody's around. If you've never seen that, I have video of Brother Fury doing that. If you'd like to see that, it's not very pretty, but it's exciting. And uh, so I did one of those, man, thank you, Lord. I'm pounding my fist and all those things. And he called me back a couple days later. And he goes, you know, I got thinking about it. He said, that's such a great return on the money. He said, let's make it an even $100,000 Canadian. Wow. What a great thing. He said, I want you to try and match that. And we put it out there, and you know, I, I tried to get the word out, and it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And, and so I think we raised around $50,000, and we were thrill, thrilled at that, $150,000. Well, he called me back the next year, and he goes, listen, that went so good. He said, let's do it again. He said, I'm going to give you $150,000 this year, and we raised and matched $150,000. It was awesome. He calls me again just a few weeks ago, and he says, Brother Stone, I want to give you this year. He's already given a million dollars to another gospel printing ministry, a million dollars. He said, I want to give you again the opportunity to match $130,000 U.S., which converts to $160,000 Canadian. And I thought, you know what? Let's do this. The Lord has been so good, and he's done some incredible things. I want you to pray with me, and I I don't like to set numbers, and I don't like to set goals, but I just feel like it's time to bust out of this COVID thing and really do something great. I'm praying this. I'm going to ask the Lord to let us double that $160,000 on our side, $320,000. Now, let me tell you a little bit about what that would do. If you take $160,000 and you add it to $320,000, that's $480,000, almost a half million dollars. It costs 40 cents to produce and mail a John and Romans anywhere in Canada. And we've covered a great part of our nation. We're finishing up with uh, British Columbia right now. We should be done by the end of the year, first of next year. And then we're moving on. At 40 cents, that equals 1.2 million John and Romans that we could produce and mail within our country. 1.2 million. That's 3.6 million people that would receive the gospel because there's an average of three people to every home in Canada. 3.6 million. The next province we are going to do is Alberta. And that would allow us to do all that we need to do in Alberta if we could raise that money. The sooner we get Alberta done, we move to our last two provinces, Quebec and New Brunswick. And we're going to do a bilingual copy of the book of Romans in English and French and get those into those homes. Now, Quebec will take us a while. It's a big province. There are a lot of people in Quebec, and we need to do that. But I want to get this thing done. We've been, we've been doing this since 2004, folks. We've been taking a while to do it, but we're coming to the finish line. That's going to be our theme this year. We can see the finish line from here. And here's how I think we can do this. I figured we have approximately 300 independent Baptist churches in Canada. The average size of those churches is 60 people. Now, this is a large church in Canada. This is one of our largest churches. 60 people average. If those 60 people, on average, would give just $20 each, we would have enough to raise that $360,000. $20 times 300 times 60, $360,000. Now, here's my challenge to you tonight. I don't know what you've come prepared to do tonight. And by the way, thank you so much for doing this. Pastor, thank you for spearheading this. You're a blessing every time you do it. But I'll tell you this. If you can do something... If every person in our churches would do something, some can do more, some can do less. I mean, there are people here like Jim Roberts that could give millions of dollars, millions. He doesn't have it, he'd have to steal it, but he could do it. There are people here that can say, I I, I can only do a few dollars. Listen, a few dollars gets a John and Romans into someone's hand, and folks, we're having people saved, we're having people uh, get them and read them, and we've had people get upset by them because they get convicted by them. We know this, people are getting them, 
And people are getting a message from them in our nation. If ever before this nation needed the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is now. Would you agree with me? Say amen to that tonight. Boy, we need it. Our country has changed. I grew up in this town from my birth, I, we started out in Hagersville for a little bit, but came to Simcoe, just about a year old. I grew up in this town, grew up in this church, and I will tell you, this country has changed, and it's not for the better. And I thought the other day, I thought, you know what we need? We need a drastic mix-up. We need something to happen in our country to get people to realize we need to get back to what made this country great. And what made this country great? The Lord Jesus Christ, strong preaching, and churches just like this, and how we desperately need them. So do something, do some part, and be a part of that, and let's reach this nation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to give you this message tonight I've entitled The Night Watch. The Night Watch. Something a little bit different for you tonight. It's a natural, it's a natural thing for people to be a little enamored or even envious of those who are in the spotlight now i don't know about you tonight but i I watch these folks sing and listen to them sing tonight and all the special music was phenomenal tonight but um you see people on this platform they're sometimes other pastors who sit here the pastor sits here and see people that maybe play the instruments Lori is playing the piano again beautifully tonight and you see people like that and it's a natural thing to sometimes be a little enamored or maybe even a little envious of those people Maybe you think tonight, man, I wish I could sing like that. Wish I, I wish I could play the piano like that. I, I wish I could get up and preach a message like the preacher does. I, I wish I could do some of those things that, that people are in the spotlight for. And, and, and sometimes uh, those who can do those things, you think, you know, uh, that person gets to sing more than I do. Maybe they have a little more ability, or maybe they just have a, a, a real knack to carry the song through and the message and stir the heart. And, and so sometimes we see people in the spotlight, we call it. And we're kind of taken by that. I remember as a kid thinking, it must be awesome to be the preacher in the pulpit. I, saw, I sat many Sundays over in this section. This is usually where I sat over here. And, and I sat there and I thought, man, I can't wait till I'm the guy who gets to stand in that pulpit and preach. And, and, and I, as a kid, I thought it would never come. And I got into my teenage years, and I was 12 when the Lord called me into the ministry. And, and I remember when I was about 16, and I'm thinking, man, I'm getting older, and, and maybe I'll have an opportunity someday to, to actually preach a message to people. And got into be 18 in Bible college, and you know we practiced here in this auditorium and, and uh, learned how to deliver the Word of God, and some of us did better than others. I was the, I was the, the lowest preaching grade in the class. And many of you are thinking, yeah, we know, we can tell. <laughs> you didn't do very well. But I, I remember standing in the pulpit and, and preaching, and there were six or eight preachers here, and I thought, someday I'm going to be able to preach a message. I'll be the preacher. I remember as a kid thinking, the special music before the message. Oh, how many of you remember Mr. Gordhorn? Anybody remember Mr. Horn? A lot of you remember Gordhorn. Gordhorn used to sing, it seemed like every Sunday before the message, Dr. Strachan loved his singing. We loved his singing. He had a great voice and well-trained, and, and he'd get up and sing. And, and I think of people like Butch and Mary Dorkson that would sing often, and, and uh, uh, not so classically trained, but boy, they just sang from their hearts and, and, and just loved to sing to the Lord. And I think of those people, and I thought, man, wouldn't it be great to be the person that gets to sing before the message. I remember as a kid sitting in church and thinking, man, wouldn't it be cool to be the choir director? Gord Connor, the choir director. Remember that? Some of you, see how far we go back. Mr. Erickson, anybody remember Mr. Erickson who led the choir? You're old. 
You're old. All right? That goes way back to 154 Maple Street. That was in the early days of me coming to church here. And so the choir director, he gets up, and, and man, the choir's all ready, and they all stand. Remember the, the Christmas choir, you know, and all those people, the lights and all that stuff. That made me great to be the choir director. The bus captain. My dad was a bus captain for a number of years. And my dad loved the bus. He, man, he could get kids to come to church. He had a knack, and we'd get to ride with him sometimes. And I remember as a kid, one of the things I didn't like about the bus ministry is my dad would buy candy for the bus kids. And we would bribe kids to come to church. I'm just going to say it, okay? Everybody thinks we did. We bribed them to come. We said, we'll give you a piece of candy if you come to church. Now, a bribe is usually to get someone to do something illegal, but we are tra- trying to entice kids to come to church. I remember we got Super Bowls if we rode on the bus. Remember that? Man, that was big deal. Now, if you don't give them a new car, they don't want to come. Piece of candy. And dad would bring that candy home, and I'd say, Dad, can I have some of that candy? He'd say, no, that's for the bus kids. So I'd say, can I ride the bus this Sunday so I could get some of that candy? Uh, play the game. Play the game. And so I remember that. And my dad was a bus captain. But there were people that worked on the bus that weren't the bus captain. And there were people uh, on the platform that weren't the choir director. And there were people in the church that, that, that weren't the special music. And there were people in the church that, that weren't the preacher. It wasn't until I joined the staff of the Cleveland Baptist Church after college that I realized that some of the greatest unsung heroes of the faith were not the people in the light, but those that kept the night watch. The night watch. Those people that weren't surrounded by others and hearing the accolades and the, and the praise of others. And, you know, I go to another church and people say, this is uh, Brother Al Stone. And, and he was a pastor of the Bible Baptist Church. And he built a ministry and God used him and, and bearing precious seed. And there sits my wife. And I often say, or I want to say, listen, don't, don't look at me. Tonight. Look at my wife. I tell people there were two people that built the, the Bible Baptist Church. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. But humanly speaking, my wife and Pastor Mike Holland were really the spearhead of the Bible Baptist Church. I was just the preacher. I was just the guy that got allowed to kind of orchestrate that thing a little bit. But there were all kinds of people at our church that had a very influential part, but never were on the platform. Were never raised in accolades. They just came and did their job. They just came with God and did what God gave them to do. And our text tonight is a song of encouragement and enlightenment for the night watch. I want to see tonight if you're on the night watch. And if you're on the night watch, I want to encourage you tonight. And if you're on the night watch, I want to let you know that there are people that do recognize you. And there are going to be times when you're going to receive what you ought to receive on a weekly basis, but it'll be far greater than anything we could ever give you. Would you look tonight at Psalm 134 with me and read these three verses? It's very short, but it says this, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion, out of heaven. Wow, three little verses directed to the night watch. The night watch. I want to champion those in this place that are the night watch who maybe at times feel unnoticed or ignored or unappreciated. I learned a long time ago, I used to watch a show called The Undercover Boss. Some of you may have seen that. I learned a long time ago that what most people want in this life is just to be appreciated. Just to know that somebody knows that you're there doing your job, giving your life for whatever cause it is. 
And there are a lot of times when we, and, and sadly in Christian circles, don't really show the appreciation that we ought to. We don't really mark, we don't herald those people that we ought to because they're not in the spotlight. They're on the night watch. Let me sing the song of the night watch and encourage those of you on it to, number one, bless the Lord. It's right there. Behold. Let me get your attention. Let's stop there. That's what it means. Behold. Here it is. Bless the Lord. I worked in the night shift for a while when I was in college. I worked two night shift jobs. I worked at Delhi Industries, if you remember that. We made a little something called TV antennas. Remember that? Those old pointed metal antennas? When I was a kid, uh, I remember uh, we had a remote control for the antenna. It was me or my sister. My dad would have a cigar hand out the window, and there was a little, you know, little handle on there. And he'd say, okay, turn it a little bit, turn it a little bit. No, no, back the other way, back the other way. And the, 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 the TV signal would go from fuzzy to a little bit more clear. How many of you remember that? You ought to be in a museum, people. I remember the day we got the, the electric remote control, and, and Dad would turn it from inside, and we didn't have to stick our arm out when it was 40 below zero and the wind was blowing. That was great. So I made TV antennas. I'm working in college. I went in there, and the, you know all the folks that worked in there called me Rev. Hey, Rev, I worked with eight ladies, some of the roughest, toughest, foul-mouthed women I've ever met in my life. I had to work on a shift with them, and I worked on a line feeding them with supplies. And there was a time when they said, you know, now we, we've got to put on another shift. We're going to do a night shift. And, and, and they asked me to work the night shift. It paid about another 50 cents an hour. And when you're in Bible college, that seemed like a lot of money. So I thought, I'll work the night shift. And, and I've got to tell you, there were some perks to the night watch, the night shift. There was very little supervision. And when you're a guy that likes to goof off like me, little supervision is a real blessing. <laughs> And so I got caught. I, I was doing some things. They had forklifts there. And I, I didn't know how to drive a forklift, but it looked a lot of fun. And, and there was nobody around. And so one night I decided I saw some guys lifting those carts. They had those big steel bins. And they were lifting them up and they were having contests. And I saw this guy lift about 12 baskets. And I thought, who can't do that? So I got on that forklift and I got under a bunch of baskets. I lifted them all up and I got about 12 high. And I thought, I'm going to pick these baskets up. Well, unfortunately, the top two were not on very straight. And I picked that thing up off the floor about that high, and the whole thing started to sway like this. There was probably a million parts in those baskets, and it's swaying like this, and my heart's sinking. What am I going to do? And I very slowly backed that thing down. I put it on the floor, and I walked away and never tried to do it again. That was the night watch. You didn't do that on the day shift. You didn't try that. There was a little better pay, and things moved a little slower than the day shift on the night watch. There wasn't the press. There wasn't the, the supervisor there saying, you know, we've got to produce more. We've got to, we've got to put up more. We've, we've got to do, do, do. There, there wasn't any of that. But there were some pitfalls. I didn't sleep very well. I, I came home and, and, and through that night shift, and, and when I'm going to bed, other people are starting to get up. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd, I'd smell, uh, you know, I'd wake up from my sleep and I'd smell uh, roast beef cooking, not bacon and eggs. It kind of threw me off a little bit. I didn't eat well. My want for fellowship was overwhelming because others worked the days while I was at home. My friends were doing other things, and when it came time for them to have some time, I had to go to work. There was very little incentive to work hard and to work well on that night shift. The exhortation in our text is to those priests who kept the night watch to bless God. To bless God. 
God says, I know you. I know you, priests, and I know what it is to be on the night watch. I know what you're thinking. And, and some of them got very tired, and some of them got maybe a little discouraged, and some of them maybe thought, well, I, I don't have to work as hard because the people aren't around. And it's the night shift, the night watch. Those who made sure the candlesticks were lit all through the night and that the incense was burning and that the temple area was clean and ready for the regular daytime worship when the people would come. I just learned this the other day. I didn't know this, but did you know that uh, they have uh, some gates that control the flow of the water at Niagara Falls? I've lived here my whole life. I did not know that. They, they, they lessen the flow of water at night. They redirect it so it went to the hydro plant so they could produce hydro through the night. And then during the day for the tourists, they let more water go over the falls. I didn't know that. I just learned that. And so here in this night shift, these men are working through the night and keeping everything going. But it's the daytime. It's when the tourists come that things really have to operate. I mean, when those people come with the sacrifice, we have to be ready. And everything has to be spit polished because they're coming to the temple and even today in my travels to Israel, that temple area is still so sacred to the Jews and they still hold that the Messiah will come and they'll resurrect that great temple. Those who made sure that those things were done on the night shift, I think probably felt neglected. They didn't always feel appreciated. Not very glamorous was the removal of the ashes of the altar. Not very glamorous was the cleaning of the blood of the sacrifices. Not very glamorous was the washing of the steps dirtied by the traffic of the people. But all of it was necessary and noted by God. There are some of you tonight who have a night watch job. You do something in this church, you do something in this ministry that a lot of people probably don't see. And there are probably a lot of people that, that really don't appreciate what you do. There are folks in this auditorium tonight, I know, that clean these buildings. And you have a, a lot of glass on the front doors of the church. And there are people who come and clean that glass so that when you come for Sunday morning for worship, those glass fronts are clean and it looks sharp when you come into this building. By Sunday night, Wednesday night, there are handprints all over that glass. And we don't even think about it. We don't give second thought. And then those people come back for the next cleaning time and they look at all the things that are messed up. we got to clean it again. And you know, I, Pastor, unless you're different than me, I didn't run to the people that cleaned our building every Monday and say, thank you for cleaning those windows. Thank you for making sure this place is spotless. Now, from time to time, I, I'd go through and comment and say things. But most times I'd say, hey, uh, when you clean this week, could you make sure you get this? Or, or could you make sure this gets done? Or we need a little extra in the auditorium. Those are the things that often get said. And often those people just very gladly say, yes, pastor, or yes, whoever's in charge, and we'll get that done. And sometimes while they're pushing that back and they think, man, these people are filthy pigs. Man, why do they throw those wrappers on the floor? Man, can't they just straighten the hymn books themselves? Why do we have to do that or whatever it is? And I think maybe some of these in Psalm 134 were those that had the same kind of feelings God said to them, listen, night watch, behold, bless the Lord. To those of you who are part of that, bless the Lord. See as it is a work unto him. Don't slack off. Don't get discouraged. Don't become disheartened working in the night. Your work is every bit as important as those who work under the spotlight. You see, so those people that keep the bathrooms clean, that's as important as the preacher? Yeah. 
Because there's a lot of people that wouldn't come to church here if the bathrooms weren't clean. There are a lot of people that would really struggle if, if they had to use those facilities and they weren't taken care of. That lady that works in the nursery who takes those little babies and cleans their dirty backsides and gives them back clean and fresh to their mother, listens to them scream for an hour because they miss their mother. Those people are as important to the preacher? Yes. Because if that baby was in this auditorium, the preacher couldn't do what he needs to do. You mean the person who, who puts these poinsettias out and decorates these trees and changes the colors of these lights and, 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 and makes this auditorium look beautiful? You mean that's as important? Yes. Because that's all part of what we do to say, listen, God, we love you and we adore you and we've come to worship you and we want to give you the very best because, you see, we don't clean the auditorium for the people. We clean it for God. And we clean those restrooms for God. And we take care of the snow removal for God. Because all that we do all comes together in a culmination of the worship of God in this place. You know, I see a lot of worship today. I see a lot of newfangled worship today. And i got to tell you, there's not much worship in it. There's a lot of praise, but there's not much worship. We've come tonight to meet with God. We've come tonight to, to talk about him and, and to see him. And we see him in, in his greatness in this temple and the worship of God and those that work for him in that night shift. Then we see in our text that the night watch is to stand in the house of the Lord. Stand in the house of the Lord. There, there was no time for slacking. No time for sitting around. There was no time to mourn or mope. The priest's duration of ministry was from 25 years of age to 50 years of age. 25 years of service for the priest. Now David moved that back to 20 years of age uh, later on. But for most part, 25 years of service. And we think of today of a, a man that works 25, 30 years, that's a, that's a pretty good long shift. These men had 25 or 30 years to serve the Lord. And then the Lord did allow them to come and assist, but they couldn't do the, the regular duties. They could only be a help to those who had the duties. You think of life, 25 years used to seem like a very long time to me. Not anymore. If I have 25 more years to live, I'll be 83. That's my mom's age. And I look at my mom and I think, wow, where did that time go? It just seemed like the other day we were little kids on a farm, playing in an old TV box. My dad sold TVs with my Uncle Ray. He'd bring those old boxes home and we'd pretend we were on TV. My mom there, my dad, man, the time flew. I thought time flew fast until I had grandkids. Oh, my goodness. Why don't you tell me how fast that goes? You turn around and they're one, they're two, they're three. Some of you know better than I. And these men serving in the temple of God had 25 years to be able to serve him, 25 years to serve the Lord to the, to the best of their ability, 25 years to watch over the most sacred place on earth for the Jews, the house of God, 25 years of rarely seeing the masses come, the sacrifices done, the, the stand in awe of that place because they worked on the night watch. The people weren't coming in the middle of the night to worship. The people weren't coming in the dark of night to see what was going on. When their 25 years was up, by the order of Numbers 825, the priests were then allowed to assist, to be an overseer, to mentor others. Let me ask you tonight. Have you begun to mentor somebody in your life? Every one of us ought to be looking to mentor someone. Who's a Sunday school teacher tonight? Raise your hand if you're a Sunday school teacher. Mr. McPherson, how long have you been teaching Sunday school? Over 30 years. 
And that's amazing because she's only 39 years old. That's amazing. 30 years. Mrs. McPherson, you're not going to be able to teach Sunday school forever. And we just suppose that when Mrs. McPherson is done teaching Sunday school that somebody will just step in. Shouldn't we be mentoring someone to take that place? Mrs. McPherson, would you find a young lady in this church that that seems to have a a caring heart and works well with children? Would you take her and say, listen, I want you to be my assistant. I want you to come into my class and you're going to help pass out the papers and you're going to help color and you're going to listen as I teach the lesson and I'm going to mentor you. Boy, we should be doing that. As preachers, we've talked about this many times, Brother Fury. We need to be mentoring young men, teaching them and giving them some instruction. I've mentioned before that my dad's teaching style was a little different. He used to say, just watch me, just watch me. He used to drive me crazy. I didn't want to watch what I wanted to do, but he said, just watch how I do it. He was mentoring me. We need to have some people come and just watch how we clean the buildings and, and let them participate a little bit and give them some little menial tasks to do to start them out and, and work them so that when we get older and we can't do it, there's somebody that steps into that place. But here's the problem. We often think, well, that's just the night watch. Who's going to want to do that? Who, who's going to want to participate in that? Don't leave that to someone else Find someone younger now to train and do your job. Don't be idle. Don't be standing around. Don't be slacking. He says, stand in the house of the Lord. And then finally we see those in the night watch that were to lift up hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. As independent Baptists, we're not so bent on lifting holy hands in worship. I'll be honest, as a kid growing up, we we didn't do that because we were often instructed that that was for the Pentecostals. That's what the Pentecostals did. They raised their hands and they clapped their hands and they got carried away with some of those things. And and they almost went to an extreme. But you know what I've learned over the years? that The Bible talks about lifting holy hands. You know, the Bible talks about rejoicing in the Lord. Do you know that really it's part of our custom to applaud when we hear something that we appreciate and we can do that in church and not offend the Lord? And so it says to lift those hands. I have lifted holy hands and do when my heart is fully blessed with the thought of what God does for me. I'm overwhelmed when I hear some of that music. And there are some of the folks here that sing and they raise their hands a little bit. And there's some of the auditorium that raise their hands a little bit. I don't think we need to get carried away and I don't think we need to draw attention to ourselves. But there's sometimes when you just get excited. I get excited at a hockey game and I let people know it. I get excited when my kids do things and I let them know it. And there are times when we can get excited about what God does. And here in the night watch, God said, hey, there, there's an opportunity for you to lift holy hands. Lift your hands. But in this passage, the lifting of the hands was not just to say, hey, praise the Lord, or I'm excited. Here's what it was. I surrender. I surrender. We've seen that so many times on the television over the last number of years. Hands up, don't shoot. <laughs> We've heard that phrase. I surrender. I'm giving up my will. I'm giving up any forward motion. I'm I'm standing still while you take advantage of me. And God says, I want you on the night shift. I want you on that night watch. I want those that are laboring through the night. I want you to know that this is a gift from God for you to be able to do this. So I want you to bless the Lord. I want you to keep moving. I want you to keep doing because it's an important job when you don't think it is. And then I want you to surrender to me. Because you'll never do those night watch shift work things until you do. Because I have to be very honest with you. Cleaning a bathroom is not very glamorous. Taking a shovel and cleaning out the snow is not very glamorous. 
Being in a class with a bunch of little kids is not very glamorous. Helping somebody who's disabled is not very glamorous. Helping people that are maybe mentally handicapped or physically disabled is not very glamorous. In this passage, the lifting of the hands was a call to surrender, surrendering to God's will and a surrender to this seemingly unimportant position they held, the work of the Lord that God had given them, working while others would have little idea that they were even there, surrendering to the need more than the want, surrendering to the task at hand, surrendering of self so that the work of the Lord might be done well. Well. God said, I want you in that night watch to understand that you're serving me. And I want you to understand that that what you're doing is every bit as important to the worship of God as those who work that daylight spotted light shift. And tonight, folks, there are some of you maybe that have been on that night watch for a long time and you're wondering, does anybody really notice? Does anybody really care? I want you to know this tonight. God knows. And God cares. And there are people in this place that know and care. Are you on the night watch tonight? Some of you maybe have never experienced that, and I would encourage you tonight to get on the night watch. Do something in this place, as trivial as it may seem. Pastor, I'm sure you've got a list of of many things that people could do. Many hands make light work. That's what we say, right? Many hands make light work. Listen, if we had three or four people who could clean instead of two or three. Or if we could have some people maybe help with more decoration or help in other parts of ministries or help in the school or help in the office or wherever. Become part of that night watch. Are you here and feeling maybe a little unnoticed and underappreciated at times? Could we do this tonight? Could we do this for me? If you serve in this church but never set foot on the platform, never stand before a class, never captain the bus route, but you do something in ministry in this church, would you stand for me tonight? Stand up where you are, please. Don't don't hesitate. Stand. You, You help clean the building. Stand. You work in the nursery. Stand. Right now, stand. Anybody? Oh, come on, don't be shy. I know there's people here. There's one. There's another. Sunday school teachers, stand. Stand. Nursery workers, stand. Guys that that clean the parking lot, stand. If you drive a bus, would you stand? If you clean the bathrooms, would you stand? If you help put these flowers out, would you stand? If you help arrange some of the music, if you're an instrumentalist, would you stand? They're on the platform, but not many people ever notice them. These are part of the night watch. And there are others tonight. I, I know some of you are not standing tonight. I know that you do things here. Could we do this tonight? Could we just take a minute and say to these folks, We appreciate what you do. Can we do that? Can we do that? We appreciate that. You're you're not unnoticed. There are people that see what you do. Would you do this for me? Would you go to them periodically and just encourage them? And say, hey, you do a great job in that nursery. You do a great job with the decorations. Boy, do I appreciate you teaching my kids in Sunday school. Man, I want you to know, you working with those kids on that bus does my heart good. I notice and I appreciate that. I have a guy, I'll close with this, I have a guy in my church, his name is Bruce. And Bruce was a great guy. Bruce worked in a factory his whole life. Bruce had a very limited education, got to about grade 9 and 10. And back in that day, uh, kids quit school. My dad quit school early, wanted to get a job. 
and, and, and often worked in the same place for 25, 30 plus years. And, and that's just what guys did. You got a job. And if you could provide for a family, that's what you did. And, and so he went and he went and worked in a foundry, filthy, dirty, rotten foundry in St. Thomas. And that foundry closed and he went and got another job. And he worked at Timken and made roller bearings. He was a, a maintenance man there and he cleaned the bathrooms. And, and, and so when he retired, he said, Pastor, I want to come help a church. What can I do? And so I had all kinds of jobs. And boy, just having a handy guy around is a really great thing. And so I said, Bruce, would you do this? And he said, give me a list of things that you want done. And I gave him a list of about 10 or 15 things. And he got it all done. And he came in and I said, man, Bruce, I really appreciate that. I said, Bruce, what do I owe you? And he said, Pastor, if you'll just appreciate what I do, that's all I need. I said, how about that in a Tim Hortons cup of coffee every now and then? I've spent $10,000 in coffee for Bruce. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll go to him every now and then, and I'll say, Bruce, I got a coffee for you. He goes, what do you need done? I said, nothing. I just want you to know I appreciate you. And tears will welt up in his eye, and he'll say, thank you for just recognizing what I do. Some of you tonight need to buy a cup of coffee for somebody and say, listen, I appreciate what you do. It means a lot. Hey, Night Watch, we see you. We know you. Then can I encourage you to either come or remain standing tonight and bless the Lord as the Night Watch. In a moment, we're going to stand. I'm going to have you bow your heads. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite those to come forward that want to come. But tonight, whether you come forward or whether you stand tonight and pray, would you just take a minute, Night Watch, and just bless the Lord? And if you're not on the night watch tonight, would you bless the Lord for the people that are on that night watch tonight? Would you ask God to help you stand in that job that God's called you to do? And then finally, would you lift, as it were, those holy hands of surrender and praise to the Lord? As long as you let me do this, I'll be happy in your service, even though the spotlight may never hit me. Because folks, tonight, without the night watch, there is no day shift. There is no proper worship. There is no order to what we do. There is no welcome to an unsaved world to come into a place and worship with us. The night watch. And could the rest of us just take time tonight to thank the Lord for those who have surrendered their life to that seemingly menial little task that isn't very menial at all. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray tonight, Lord, that as we take just a moment... For those who have served in this church over the years, maybe some have given that 25 years and they've retired, as it were. But, Father, may they know that there's still opportunity for them to assist, to mentor, to encourage, to, to, to go to those who, who do those jobs and be able to say to them, listen, I know exactly how you may feel because I've been there. I've done that. And I want to encourage you to bless the Lord to stand in the house of the Lord, to lift up hands in the sanctuary and surrender to his full will. Lord, tonight, may we be mindful of the night watch. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. In a moment, we're going to stand. I'm going to ask you to pray. When you're done praying tonight, I'm going to have you be seated. When everyone's seated or a good number is seated, the pastor's going to come and he's going to close the service as he would. I'm going to give you an opportunity when we stand to come forward tonight. I love when people come forward, and I have to be honest, less and less people come forward in our churches today. I loved it when I was a kid and people came forward. I loved when I could come forward. 
I'll give you that opportunity. But tonight, if you say, well, I just don't feel led to do that, would you just stand where you're at and pray and just spend some time with the Lord and say, Lord, there's some people that have come to my mind tonight that didn't stand tonight. They're maybe not here tonight. And I know that when it snows, they're going to be shoveling the snow. And when the grass needs to get cut, they're going to cut the grass. And when the buses break down, they're going to fix the buses. And when the welding needs to get done, somebody's going to weld. And, and when the, 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 the cribs in the nursery break, there's somebody that's going to fix those. And Lord, I just want to mention them by name tonight and tell you that I praise the Lord for them. And God, I'm going to ask you to bless them in a special way tonight. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. The piano begins to play. If you'd like to come forward tonight and pray, would you do that? Maybe you're the night watch tonight and you want to come and pray tonight. Or you're, you know somebody on that night watch. Would you come tonight and pray here at the altar? If not, would you stand where you're at? Would you bow your head and would you begin praying right now and say, God, I'm going to behold what's been said. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm going to thank him for what... Get, what he's allowed me to do over these years. Maybe tonight you'd bless the Lord and say, you know what, I'm going to start mentoring someone. I'm going to take somebody under my wing and I'm going to teach them the joy of serving the Lord on the night watch. Maybe tonight you'll stand in the house of the Lord tonight and say, listen, I'm just going to keep doing what God's called me to do. I'm going to keep teaching Sunday school. I'm going to keep driving that bus. I'm going to keep putting the plants in place. I'm going to keep vacuuming the carpets. I'm going to change the light bulbs, I'm going to work in the office, I'm going to count the money. All of those things that we don't often think about. You're going to lift up those hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord and surrender to whatever God has. Maybe tonight God's calling you to the night shift. And you think, I'll never preach a message and I'm not one to sing on the platform and I'm not really a choir person and I can't play an instrument. And But I can... I can rake some leaves. I can plant some flowers. I can make sure there's a glass of water for the pastor. The night shift. When you're done praying tonight, would you go ahead and be seated? Don't worry about being the first because our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Nobody will know. Some are being seated now. When you're done praying tonight, you go ahead and be seated. The night watch. The night.